buddy. Matt Smith. What's going on? Nothing. You don't, you don't go by Otis anymore, do you? Uh, people call me Otis, I will. I mean, like it works. There's not a lot of people in Albany that know that my name is Otis. No. People in Buffalo will call me Otis, and I'll answer. Right on. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't talk to too many people anymore, so I don't have nicknames like I used to. But Demps used to be uh, pretty standard. Anyway, uh, let's jump into our topic today, and our topic is fatherhood. There's a lot of books out there on how to be a father. I've not read too many of them. Um, I had a pretty good father. But like you, we were both raised, our dads were both raised in the slums of the first ward of South Buffalo. And I think, you know, like a lot of folks that have come up uh, from the lower echelons of the socioeconomic ladder, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff, but there's a lot of pain. And, you know, you're, you're a well-read guy, as I am too. And I've always enjoyed kind of the gallows humor um, aspects of it because I think it's a protective, I don't know, like a defense mechanism. If you can laugh at your misery, you can probably laugh at the good times too. Yeah. Um, But like, you know, I'm one of 11 children. And if I were just to look at it from a high level perspective, and one of the things I wanted to change as I came up through the ranks was... I didn't really understand how and why my parents decided to have that many kids. And not knowing anything when you're a kid, you know, I mean, I came into the world and I I didn't have a younger sibling for four years. I'm four years older, you know, than my next sibling, Anne. So I actually got to be the baby for, you know, pretty good time. So I think I might even been a little jealous when the next one came and then the next one and then the next one and then the next one. (laughs) Yeah. At some point, you just kind of look at your mother and you're like, what the hell are you doing to yourself? You know, Uh, I mean, my mom spent, think about this, nine months per kid, 11 kids. She had a miscarriage, I think, maybe one or two. So, I mean, you're talking about years of her life. She spent pregnant. And um, again, the question to me is, why would you do that to yourself? You know, you got yeah. any answers for me on that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're our, both of our parents, their generations were the generation before the pill. Yeah, Came that's true. strong Irish Catholic background. Uh, you know, the whole mindset was different. Um, you know, my parents were you know, my dad came from a family of 63 first cousins. Both of his parents had 10 and 11 kids in their family. Uh, my mother though had a hard time conceiving. So, you know, um, you know, she's, she's a different case than your mother. You know, they, my parents wanted kids very badly and they actually were married for like eight years before they conceived, which back then was unheard of. You know, they had, they had adoption papers signed when, uh, when they finally did, uh, when my mom got pregnant with my sister, who's the oldest, and there's three of you, right? Yeah. And then, you know, all of us were uh, five years apart because of my mom's difficulty conceiving. And, you know, I look at, at my mom's last kid was when she was 44 years old. And so 
she didn't have the, the number of kids your mom did, but I, I asked myself too, like, why would you do that to yourself at 44? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. she had, she had me at right before she was 40, you know? Um, God shit, man. When I, by the time I was 44, I was almost done raising kids. Yeah. Well, I, had, I mean, I was doing in vitro at 45, so I guess, uh, <laughs> you know, but to that end, you know, I didn't get married till I was 37 and there was a part of me, Matt, I, I scratched my head. I worked with so many people that were miserable in their marriages or were cheating on their wives or husbands. You know, I kind of looked at it from the perspective of why do people do that shit to themselves? Like I just kept asking the question, you know, and when it's I got a, married, go ahead. Societal expectations. It, it is. I mean, when I moved from California to New York, uh, there was a rumor going around the New York City Cisco office that I was gay. Because, I, and I, I honestly think it was because I was not married and I was from California, <laughs> according to them, even though, you know, I'm from Buffalo. Yeah. So to your point, were I you mean, like Randy Bernard in the office, and did you ask people if you were gay? <laughs> it never got that far, but we were at a dinner, and there's this one loudmouth that, uh, said we were in San Francisco for a work meeting. This guy said, Jerry, I bet you feel at home with all the faggots here. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's when I realized uh, that, that you know, someone else told me that the rumor had been going around. So I thought, I just thought that was pretty odd. Um, but to your point, it's the societal expectations. It's that, you know, group think can be applied. That term gets kicked around a lot now. But we really do. I mean, we follow each other's lead and don't spend enough time just kind of going, well, who am I and what am I really all about? What do I want from my life? I don't think the vast majority of people spend enough time with themselves, you know, thinking that. Which, again, leads me back to, to my upbringing. You know, my dad, they grew up pretty poor. And my dad um, became a steam fitter, a welder, and he made really good money, uh, maybe like $100,000 a year, $80,000 a year. I'm talking in the 70s. But when you have 11 children to spread that across, I mean, it, you know, ostensibly you're poor. Yeah. Um, but then the, the other thing is just a time factor. You have no time. Like, I... I questioned why they did that to themselves because they didn't seem to really be enjoying their life or their time. And they seemed stressed out like all the time. And I just thought to myself, well, you know, why would you put yourself in this position? But so many people do it. I mean, did you feel like that? Or maybe you avoided that kind of conflict. I don't know. Uh, what do you mean? Did I do what? Well, how did you, did you view your parent? like, I mean, did you ever have that, did you ever scream at your dad, like, why the fuck did you have children, just so you could beat us up, or pick on us, or to have someone to torture? Because, I mean, uh, I think I said that, something like that to my dad one time. I, I never questioned my father on, along those lines, but him and I, we used to butt heads constantly, and, you know, 
Jesus, you know, he, I was kicked out of the house before and, you know, he was hard with me. He was tough. He was, he was, uh, tell me about when you got kicked out of the house. He was a complicated guy. He was, he was, when I look back at both my parents, I look back and I, I consider my father the affectionate one, you know, he was always pretty affectionate and, uh, but there were just things that he didn't accept and he was tough and like, shit, I want to. I went two weeks without a job once. He freaked out and kicked me out of the house. Yeah, I lived in a tent in someone's fucking backyard. And, uh, <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, and then I got a job at Wendy's for, and I lied. I hated Wendy's. And I and I, I so I lied to them and told them I they were like you know, I had another job. So they only like they would schedule me for seven hours a week. But it was just enough to have that dopey uniform so I could get, show my father and get back in the house so I could sit in my own fucking bed and I, instead of a tent, you know. But, That's crazy. Yeah, so he, you know, he was all about work, and he was a workaholic, and he was a hard-ass, and, uh, you know, he used to when say... When did he take you to jail? I want to hear that story. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, he was... He came from the ward. You know, he was a proponent of tough love, and... He was a tough guy, and uh, his cousin was the chief of police in Lackawanna, and I was constantly in trouble. And you know, kind of trouble. What did you do? Just anything my father told me not to do, I would do. You know how fathers are. I don't want you. I don't want to see you hanging around the arcade. So I would go to the arcade. You know, I uh, (laughs) smoking. You know, uh, just not listening to him. You know, just whatever. So one day I was in a nearby plaza, which he told me he didn't want to see me at. And uh, you know, his his train of thought was something goes wrong at a plaza and there's a group of kids. You're going to get blamed for it. Right. You know, and whether you're right or wrong and you know, whether you're innocent or guilty. And so I was always getting caught in this plaza where he told me not to go. And one day I was in Woolworths. I had half the store down my pants. I mean, I had everything because I ran a little business in school with 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 uh you know jimmo we used to steal cassette tapes and sell them and candy good idea. And sell them, yeah. you know and we were enterprising my father yeah. always wanted me to be a you know an entrepreneur so i was and yeah he walked into woolworths uh i had half the store down my pants he didn't know that but he flipped out because he caught me at the in the plaza once again. So he grabbed me by the shirt and ran me out into the parking lot where his car was parked. He's like, get in. And as I walked around the side of the car, I started emptying out my pants. It was just like rainfall on the parking lot, you know, pavement of crap falling <laughs> out of my pants. And uh, uh, he brought me home. And then... Ten minutes later, he told me to get back in the car again. He took me down to Lackawanna City Jail, where his cousin was a chief of police. I didn't know that they had this arranged. Right. Uh, but, you know, my father was just, it was like a scared straight moment, you know. <clears throat> so they locked me up in a cell. And I was there with some <laughs> drunk stumble bum guy. Awesome. Yeah. Uh I didn't know that they were sitting on the other side of the wall drinking coffee, listening to me scream, you know, wow. but the, uh, the, the whole lesson there was, you know, if you're not going to listen to me, maybe, maybe we'll scare you straight, you know? Sure. 
didn't work. <laughs> well, you know, when I was it like temporarily, five but... or six years old, I had a bag packed to go to Father Baker's. Yeah. Because my brother Matt, who is a scumbag, I mean, him and I were always getting in trouble. And he always got caught. But I don't even know what we did, but I just remember they had us packed and I was balling and they were going to take us, you know, Father Baker's was a uh, orphanage. Right. And that was like a thing in Buffalo. If you screw up, we're going to go take you to Father's Baker's. You never, you never got that one? Oh, I got that constantly. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, I remember crying and thinking, you know, and then one time Matt and I ran away because we did something and my dad was out of town and my mom told him and, you know, he told me on the phone. I'm going to come home and I'm going to beat your ass. So Matt and I packed a bag and we slept in the woods for a night. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I learned, I stopped hanging out with Matt because he always got caught doing things. And I learned to either not do it or not get caught. Those are my choices. (laughs) But I mean, I learned a lot by watching other people fuck up, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that'll come back. That that's key to, my strategy uh of being a father but uh uh i remember once i called my sister a fucker and uh my father washed my mouth out with soap god i hated that you ever get that bar shoved in your mouth oh yeah yeah oh god there's nothing worse so i had it and i ran away and there was a pet cemetery down on uh, union road remember that it was like in garden view area yeah, I know where that is. I got on my bike. All I took with me, I didn't even take a bag. I took my SST car or SSP. Yeah. You remember those cars? You yeah. Yeah. The, the, the zip thing. Yep. And yep. that's all I took with me, man. And I slept in the cemetery. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, then I woke up and I went back home. <laughs> we used to get hit a lot. But I mean, you know, if, here's a for instance. We, Matt. Me, Matt, and Steve Dasta were out ringing doorbells. Then we decided to up the ante and throw eggs at people when they came out of their house. <laughs> and then those two got caught, and somehow I ran away. And the guy, the neighbor, brought them to my house. I had, I had ran through all the backyards, climbed up the roof of our house, and got into our bedroom. So I was like, my dad had been sleeping on the couch. The neighbor, you know, blah, 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 tells my dad what the two, those two were doing. And then <laughs> I like come down the stairs and I'm watching my dad yell at Matt. And also Matt goes, oh, you know, dad, Jerry was with me. It was his idea. <laughs> and I got my ass whipped for that. And uh, that's probably the last time I hung out with Matt and tried to and did anything because, you know, he just would always get me in trouble. But, um, yeah, I learned a lot about how not to get in trouble just by watching him. I mean, so, again, curse and blessing, uh, having the big family, you could, I could just watch. I watched Paul mess up. I watched Johanna mess up, Colleen, Matt, um, obviously my own screw-ups, which I had a ton of them, you know. And to bundle that all. You know, when my son turned about five or six, I mean, I cut way back on the drinking because I didn't like him looking at me when I was drunk. And I felt like a real asshole. 
like I don't know if what if, if you went through that or maybe you, maybe you weren't drunk in front of your kids. Like I don't know. But that like a a light went off and it just said, "Hey, you better take this seriously and you better start thinking about being a better dad." And not passing, you know, we grew up with a lot of criticism, mockery. You know, and just a general, I don't know if that's a cultural thing being Irish, right? I've read a lot of stuff about it. But just like stick it to the man or I don't know if it's victimhood. Do you know what I'm talking about as I walk through these? I know exactly what you're talking about because, uh, you know, people who have seen my family operate uh, aren't used to, weren't used to that growing up with like constant being, you know, constant digs and joking criticisms and you know uh mocking each other and yeah and even my brothers and sisters if i went to a family function right and i stopped drinking when i would hang out with them but they all would get drunk the jokes would start and the fights would come yeah and it was predictable it wasn't always the same people right it might be this one with that one you know you had like a a fight card right oh these two are going to fight tonight, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and uh, the last time I heard there was a family get together, I didn't go to it. And here's the other thing that's funny is like, let's say two of my sisters get into it. One will undoubtedly call me and like throw the other one under the bus and try to get me on their side. So I've had to like step away from all that stuff. But meanwhile, you know, I got, I don't even want my kids exposed to that stuff. Like my sister, Teresa came down here with this boyfriend and, you know, today's world is what it is. So Teresa has baby daddy and then she has boyfriend of the year, not boyfriend of the month, but like every year she'll have like a new guy. And then the fucking new guy comes in and then you got to try to be nice to him. So she brings this guy down with the kid. The kids start picking on my son. And then he had, I don't know. He had porn. The kid was like 13. So he had porn on his phone and he was showing it to my sister's daughter. And I'm like, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> I don't want anyone in my house. <laughs> like, like I know that there's no point to the story other than to say family, <laughs> like, like chaos and order. Good luck. Good luck trying to create order out of that chaos. It, I don't know. You know yeah. But, my dad used to have a, a saying that, like, about when you brought someone in the house, like a boyfriend or girlfriend, he would say to, like, my sister, if you can stand to look at him, I can stand to look at him. And I've kind of taken that to a new level that says, I don't want people that poison my time around me. Because, <laughs> you know, when you boil everything down, what do you have? You have your health and your time. Past that, everything else is kind of made up. What, what say you to that, Matt Smith? Uh, yeah, I, I I would tend to agree. I would tend to agree. Uh, define, you know, there's physical health and there's mental health. and well, pick, uh, Yeah. You know, um, happiness and anxiety and, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy. It's not, it's not easy. I, I, uh. You know, to go back to the societal expectation things, you know, like uh, 
my father, <laughs> my father got to a point where the only thing he began to worry about was whether or not I was going to be a functioning adult. And he was afraid I was going to end up in prison. So was this before college or what, like what's the timeline? Probably toward the end of high school through college. Um, so, you know, he, he kind of, I, I kind of feel like he, you know, when he met my wife, he really liked my wife and he kind of like, he kind of like pushed me to like, I think he kind of, he didn't overtly pressure me, but I think he was like, you know, Matt, hurry up and get married and just stay out of prison. <laughs> you know, so, uh, my wife had been married before and, and, uh, uh, after my dad met her, he liked her and, you know, behind my back, he went and called my cousin who's a priest and he's like, you know, uh, you know, this girl Mar Matt's marrying. She she's been married before. Uh, you know, what does what what do they have to do to get married? You know, in the church. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it was all it was all motivated by him worrying that I was gonna fuck my life up and end up in prison because I, I, I just I wasn't a I wasn't necessarily a troublemaker, but I was in trouble all the time because I was just stupid. And everything was like funny to me. And, you know, I, I did, I would do things not out of, I would do things a lot of times out of the challenge, you know, of, of just trying to get away with it. You know, I remember yep. Lynn, Ho Lynn Hogan came to my house one day. She just got her license and she took her dad's Buick Riviera out for a spin. She hit a pothole and uh, <laughs> she lost like a bunch of hubcaps. <laughs> She didn't want to bring her dad's new car back. This was when this car came out. It was like sharp, you know. It had oh, yeah. gaps, and this is the mid '80s. And she came over, and she's like, you know, I lost all the hubcaps, and I can't bring my car home. My dad's gonna kill me. And so, like, I we I hopped in her car, and we went to the Seneca Mall, and I just jacked a couple of hubcaps off uh, some car that were the same as her dad's, and it was the challenge, you know. I plus had a crush on her probably, but you know, it was. <laughs> I would just do stupid shit for the, you know, yep. yep. Or I get really drunk and just, you know, end up getting arrested because I was trying to entertain people or something like that, you know? Yep, so yep. I think he, he was just like, you know, well, if he gets married, he won't get her end up in prison or something like that. You know, I've so. had a lot of close calls like that in my corporate life too. Um, you know, for me, it like ebbed and flowed. I would, I would get, I would be, I would play the straight lace game and then I wouldn't. For instance, I went to Stony Brook, right? I was, and this was a thing with me. I wanted to go away to college like you went to Bonas, like Frawley went to Fredonia. And my parents, you know, didn't have any money. They didn't want me taking out student loans and they told me I was too immature which was true, you know, but I didn't see it that way. So, you know, I had decent enough grades, saved up my money doing all those shitty jobs I did. And when I got to Stony Brook, I became an RA. And, you know, I did that for a semester. I had fake ID or whatever. So I used to buy, that was the RA you wanted because I bought everybody beer. I would have parties. You know, I didn't even know how to write someone up. Right. And I refused to even learn the process. 
And, um, you know, so I got fired. And I was pretty proud of that because, uh, you know, I got called into the RD or whatever they call his office. She's like, you're not really RA material. And I was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> no shit. But what's interesting is probably the first time, you know, I had to tell my father about it. And I was kind of nervous. I'm like, he's going to go, oh, I told you so, you dipshit, ha, 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 ha. You know, and just eating the crow was not going to be something I wanted to do. But I remember thinking, well, fuck, man, I got good grades. So I actually learned, I learned how to college, you know, after three years. So that was nice. I finally woke up to something. And I just remember telling him, because my mom used to always say, you know, I, I think about the good. My mom used to always say, have a fucking plan, no matter what you're going to do. And again, my plan was always to fuck around and have fun, right? Oh, I'm always have fun, no matter what I do. And, but it was like the first time I think in my whole life that my dad looked at me. And I said, you know, I kind of went with the two things like, hey, dad, I, I lost my RA job and I'm going to come home and probably go to UB, but I don't know what I'm going to do. But I got good grades. And he was like, I'm proud of you. And he's like, you don't need to fucking go away to school. He goes, but I'm glad you, you know, like it was like the first time we had a grown up conversation with each other without him busting my balls or some kind of like, you know, back ass, backhanded compliment. Yeah. And I, you know, it meant a lot to me. And um, conversely, because I wrote a story about it, you may have even read some of it. But I remember meeting, uh, he was teaching welding at this welding, you know, at the school. And, I got to meet a bunch of these, you know, they're all like these big, older, tougher work guys. And every one of them, about 10 of them, you know, just came up to me one at a time. Like, your dad's a great guy, great teacher, great, great, great. And, they, you know, just to see him in that work life, I'd never really seen before. And, you know, it was like one of those moments that I'll always remember versus all the times that I fucked up or I got beat up or like all the pain, which, which again, all the psychology I, I read lately it tells me, you know, biologically, we're hardwired to remember the pain so we avoid it in the future. It's like a survival thing. But, you know, do you go around being a victim, feeling the pain, or do you go, hey, I really had a fucking, like, my perspective has gone around the globe in terms of, oh, I had it rough, or no, I actually, I was pretty fucking lucky, which I think, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know how you have summed it up for you, and I'll turn it over to you, but I mean, I really have to thank, I thank my parents now, or at least my mom, my dad's dead, so I can't really thank him. But I mean, I don't know. What's your perspective? Uh, as tough as my parents were, as no nonsense as they were, uh, the one thing I do credit them for is they were really, really good about encouraging your talents. If they spotted a talent in you, they would they would push you and they would support you in any way possible. And, you know, I, I played hockey as a kid. You know, my parents were just there to support me in every way imaginable. They knew that I was creative. Uh, so they, you know, helped me figure out what I was going to do with my life. Uh yeah, it wasn't exactly in, in a Hallmark sort of way or Norman Rockwell sort of way. My dad was always like, you know, you're just so full of bullshit, Matthew. You should be a writer. And, you know, <laughs> what? And you took the challenge? <laughs> well, and I was like, you know, career advice. But I would write a lot. 
and uh, they would encourage me. They would read anything I wrote, and they would encourage me. And he would, he wouldn't always. He what he didn't. They didn't always blow sunshine up my ass. They would tell me like, well, you could do this instead of doing it this way. Do it this way, or you know. But they were always there to 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 support us. Create you know, especially creative. Uh, all the kids in my family are creative. Um, you know, my sister went into interior design at Syracuse University, and my father ended up building this giant light table because my dad was handy, you know, but like it was a way of supporting his kid and in her endeavor. So he built this gigantic light table like you had never seen before back in the day. And when she graduated, he donated it to the school because it was so good. The school wanted it. And, you know, they were always, uh, you know, I don't my brother might have a different perspective. He was a young he was young. He was the youngest. I think my parents were tired at that point you know he, they were yeah. in their, they were in their 60s yeah um but uh they didn't they did encourage me uh they recognized my talents and they encouraged me and pushed me toward my talents and uh um so i give them credit for that uh you know so i i I I ended up my whole strategy to fatherhood and you talk about you you know you remember the pain you know I remember my own pain I remembered other people's pain too that I grew up with so I didn't really have who really knows what they're doing when they're a father I mean you know right. these people that write books on fatherhood who the fuck are these people these pompous assholes these you don't know I mean really you have a kid you just fucking pray and you love them and you hope it all turns out and you follow your gut, but there's no fucking rule or there's, there's no book, you know? Um, but I saw, I remember things that hurt me that didn't, that weren't in my mind worth it. I saw things that fucked my friends up because of the way their parents were. I saw, you know, um, ways that i have a daughter i saw ways that fathers treated their daughters you know especially when it had to do with sex you know i, I a lot of girls i grew up with told me back in the day that like you know their fathers called them sluts and you know and it really fucked them up and it and they i talked to them in their and now in adulthood and they still remember that and yeah it it fucked them up and uh so those kind of things stuck with me, and those were the things I didn't know what to do as a father, but I knew what not to do. Yeah. So I did the I did the opposite of what I saw hurt my friends and 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 myself, and uh, you know, I so I guess I probably learned from the mistakes that my parents and my friends' parents made, and I think that was my whole mo to. Uh, to fatherhood and you know fatherhood actually hit me fast too uh i was young i was How married you? i my first kid was 27 which you know was a lot younger than most of my friends and i was not ready and we were not financially ready and it was a nightmare uh you know it was white knuckles for like five <laughs> years you know so i didn't really have time to overthink it we weren't i, I wasn't in a financial position to like you know, plan my approach. And it, it was just like, holy shit, I got two kids now. And 
we're on the verge of bankruptcy. I better do something, you know? Right, right. So right. I've, uh, my dad was a, a workaholic and it kind of affected our relationship. And, uh, um, cause I grew up, you know, fuck, he's never around. He's always working. And, you know, yeah. I don't, I know why he was working. He was working to support us, but, uh, I, I, <laughs> I rebelled against that. So I don't really, I can't tell you, I, I don't have the strongest work ethic, but I'm actually very, very driven. I always joke that I'm the most driven, lazy person you'll ever meet, you know? So, uh, I, that, I think my kids, both of my kids have done well and, uh, they're both in the sciences, you know, and, and one's a cancer researcher, one's an epi epidemiologist. They never let me like help them with their math or science homework. So, you know, I know I'm not responsible for their success, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're both driven kids and I think maybe they get that from me, you know, they don't get their smarts from me. That's for sure. But, uh, uh, so, you know, fatherhood, you just, you follow your gut and you pray for the best, you know, but I think my, my whole approach was, I'm not going to do that because I saw that have, I saw someone else do that and it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can think of is she, you, you already said it. There's no fucking secret sauce and everyone's situation is different. A lot of single parents these days. And, you know, it almost means nothing. I think if I were just to say one thing is providing a safe, environment for your kid to be whoever they fucking want to be yeah yeah i've read that a bunch um about people that have have made it or what what maybe made made them special and it's like these certain things themes that people come back to so so like a guru that says like even that guy jordan peterson oh well here's 20 things to do well that's great that's a nice fucking list because you compiled it statistically or all through your studies or whatever, but allowing someone to be figure out who the fuck they are and who they want to be. I mean, my son wants to be an actor, okay? And he's auditioned for a bunch of shit. Something came in the other day. I showed him the part that they want him to audition for, and he just goes, I don't want to do it. And instead of going, why? Or, hey, you know, you need to fucking do this. You need to audition for everything that comes your way and get better at it, which I thought about saying to him. I, I said to him, I'm like, you know what? I'd like you to do it, but I'm going to follow your lead. This is your fucking future. So tell me, tell me why you want to do it, which he did. And then I, you know what? I forgot about it. I'm like, yep, move on. So again, yeah, I, 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 I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't father of the year by any stretch of the imagination. And my right. kids and I would, you know, butt heads, especially my son and I, you know, and, uh, uh, yeah, I tried to guide them and, we had our fights and uh, I gave them to put a fork in it. Who was the smartest guy in the room today? Everybody. <laughs> we both were because we married up. <laughs> Our fathers were. That's Our fathers right. were the smartest guys in the room today. That's a good answer. All right, bud. Have a good one. See you, brother. Bye. Bye. Our recording.